passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. All right, welcome back to another episode of the 90th Percentile. This is your host, Jeff Ponce. Alongside me is my co-host, Matt Pajak of Loden Sports. As always, I'm very excited this week. We have one of my favorite players in the major leagues. I don't think he even realizes that. Uh, but Brendan Donovan of the St. Louis Cardinals, an organization that I actually cover as well. So, Brendan, welcome to the show, man. Big fan and uh, excited to have you on. Thanks for having me. What do you guys want to talk about? Let Matt He's got that. that Hey, he's got the the Eastern Mass. He hits you with the Donovan, Brendan Donovan. Hey, that's right. My dad's my dad's actually from Plaston, New Hampshire. So uh, we got we got some family up in the area. He's still got some some cat and some habit in him. So uh, it's hard to hard to lose that the little accent, the slang. He still got some. It's it, it happens. Irish names. It's just it's going to come out of me. You know, it has like, to. I try so hard not to sound like I'm from Massachusetts, and then it's like a you know Donovan comes on. It's like ah, Donovan. That's what's endearing about people from the Northeast is that like there's some way they're not mispronouncing your name. They're just pronouncing it with however they talk and it comes out different. And it's like, oh, he's saying Donovan, but it's coming out with a U. <laughs> That's fine. Cool with me. I've heard it my whole life. Yeah. they Do they call you Dunny? <laughs> I haven't gotten that. Um, that might be a little easier to say. Um for uh for my dad at least yeah i i think before we get rolling with anything here i think it's important to note that this is one of the best hitters in baseball for the people listening that don't know who brendan donovan is brendan donovan donnie hustle donnie baseball uh he's the guy who can't keep his helmet on when he runs the bases with the st louis cardinals uh he plays every position on the diamond he would play catcher if they let him uh currently recovering from an elbow surgery should be ready to go for opening day and um is everybody's favorite baseball player in St. Louis, kind of. Uh, Brendan, before we do anything else, we want to talk about sandwiches. Mm. And I want you, um, you know, first off, like Brendan's got, a, Brendan's got a really good track record with me on food. He's one for one. Uh, he recommended the Gramophone, which is a sandwich spot in St. Louis. All right. It's got character. It's got charisma. The sandwiches are good. It's the kind of spot where like, you want to try every sandwich on the menu. I had the Mississippi nightclub. Um, and on top of all that doesn't break the bank. So Brendan one for one on food recommendations. Uh, he knows a sandwich when he sees it. Brendan, uh, I need you to power rank in 2080 grade the following. Okay. This, this is a, a 90th percentile podcast staple. 
we bring the guests on and we put them on the hot seat about sandwiches. All right. Uh, Subway, mm. Jimmy John's, Jersey Mike's, and Capriati's. Capriati's? Yeah. Um, Jimmy John's, Subway. What about we, we uh, 28 in the gramophone? Well, you can 2080 the gramophone all you want. I already got a Capriati's, fat game, I think. So, have I been to Capriati's? Capriati's is a chain. Have you even heard of it? Uh-uh. I'm sorry. I'm I'm uh, I'm from the south. I know my my family's from the northeast, but I don't think we have that. Their uh their origin is Delaware, believe it or not. Oh. No, honestly, I've never had a Capriati's. But it, the name gives it I mean, that's a substantial name, you know. You got to you can't judge it by its cover, but it sounds like they got good bread. They do have good bread. They do a a sandwich called the Hot Bobby, which is like Thanksgiving on a on a sandwich. Okay. So favorite sandwich. 20 to 80 scale, right? Obviously, these sandwiches have had a lot of these sandwich chains have had a lot of success. So day in and day out, they show that they're sustainable and can compete at a high level. Um are they your one percenters or your superstars? Probably not, but they've shown that they can get the job done day in and day out. So Subway, I'm going to go 40. Subway's a 40 on my scale. Um, you know, they can, they fill a hole, right? They um, <laughs> A hole in your stomach. <laughs> they fill a hole in your stomach. Um, yeah. <laughs> you're never disappointed, right? They, they're your slightly above above the average sandwich i consider like 35 to be kind of kind of my average sandwich um slightly above average sandwich um no it's it's just a good solid sandwich um and the next one is uh, jersey mike's yep um jersey mike's is a 45 for me um you know i i like it i think um do you like it Mike's way? Um, well, so when you when you say Jersey Mike's, I know there's like actually a Jimmy John. Who who is Jersey Mike? Is he is his name Jersey Mike? No, it's Jersey Michael. Is it Jersey Michael? Um, Michael is he from from Jersey, Jersey and his name's Michael? I don't know. I'm gonna look this up right now. I don't know because I know I know Jimmy. It was founded on the Jersey Shore. It's okay, a, it's a shore sandwich shop. Okay, I know so. that. Name's got to be Michael. Point Pleasant. No, nah, the the founder's name's Peter Cancro. Oh, so we're gonna start calling it Jersey Peters. Yeah. So I got um, Subway being a forty. I got Jimmy John's being a forty-five, and then I mean I gotta do Gramophone. I mean that's a that's a seventy seventy-five. Like that's a that is one of the best sandwiches I've had. But I you can't you can't max the scale out because there's so many unknowns out there you got to stick reliable to your scale it's like uh like portnoy's pizza scale you can't give it 10 you have to you have to stay within a good range because you never know what else is out there so 40 45 and 70 275 up to 75 but i want to hear what you guys think no that's a solid philosophy but one thing that i'll counter with is that when it comes to the 2080 scale sean campbell always told me use the whole scale that's why it's there but I mean, each year players do something a little different, right? You think of like if someone's an 80 grade runner, someone seems to get a little faster each year, right? So 
Hey, the, we're, I'm not going to get into a statistics discussion with you here, but when it comes to a, a distribution, you can have more than one guy with an 80. Listen, I've been, hammered by, the scale. I've been hammered by the scale my whole career. So <laughs> I, I'm, I'm with you. If Jeff had you as a 30 runner. That's okay. <laughs> we're no, working. I Did I? We are. No. That's actually, <laughs> I'm, like, that's, I'm like, there's no way I had him under 50. That's, that's why I was almost late to this podcast. We, uh, we were running a little bit, trying to see if we can find an extra step. Turns out when you're 26 years old, it's hard to find extra steps out there, but we're still searching. Always searching. And that yes. leads into this next question. Oh, I wanted to bring up one little tidbit about Capriotis, Matt. All right, let's hear it. Because I'm going to go back to Capriotis, and then we didn't even – And then we'll jump we in. No, we also didn't give Brendan our ranking, to be fair. That's true. We didn't. Yeah, and he also didn't rank Jimmy Johns. So let's let's run it back to the – Yeah, no, he put a 45 on Jimmy Johns. Did you? Yes. Mm-hmm. All right, Jeff, uh, Capriotis, and then do your ranking. I'll do my ranking. Sure. And we'll so ask the very I was at Foxborough this week, as you know, for a Patriots game with my son. Uh, I walked into the stadium. My goal was to walk over to Capriotis and get a hot bobby with the boy. And uh, Capriotis, Capriotis is closed in Foxborough, Matt. There was no more Capriotis in Massachusetts. My closest Capriotis is now in Long Island. Dude, that's just another L for the Patriots. Chalk it up. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I blame Bill. I blame Bill, frankly. Hey, uh, Brendan Donovan is a Patriots fan. Just so you yeah. Know. Are you really? I am. Yeah, my it's uh, passed down from my dad. Everything growing up, we were at New England. Everything. I like yeah, him more. Now. in a pod. We were actually um, Albert Pujols hooked us up. Twenty twenty two, we were at Game Six um, up in a box in, in Boston when uh, the Warriors clinched. So I was. It was pretty devastating, but um, one of the coolest sports events I've been to. That's awesome. That's really cool. I didn't realize that. As for my scale, I am uh, 20 on Subway. Mm. I'm 30 on Jimmy John's. I am uh, probably a 50 on Jersey Mike's. And then Capriotti's uh, no longer is on the scale for me. I'm removing Capriotti's from the discussion now that they've moved out of Massachusetts. There's not enough data. Not enough data to support it. Yeah, not enough data to support it. Jeff has removed Capriotis. Brendan doesn't know what Capriotis is, and Capriotis remains number one in my heart. <laughs> For sandwich chains, uh, yeah, Capriotis is like a what do I give it? Like a sixty, it's like a fifty-five or a sixty, it's somewhere in there. Yeah, um, I think so. yeah, you, you can't you can't give these sandwich chains too much love. I used to eat a lot of Subway. That's like a twenty-five or a thirty for me now. Mm-hmm. Their cookies are good. Uh, Jersey Mike's, I think, is like right around a 40. Jimmy John's is like a 35 for me. Um, but yeah, Capriotis is is safely well above all of those. And Gramophone is a hard 60 for me. Like it is a plus sandwich. Um, and that's you know, that's on the scale of all foods, right? On the scale of all foods. So that's why, like, when you look at Subway, you know, Brennan's like, all right, I'm gonna put Subway at 40. That's fine. If you just you're just looking at sandwiches, I put it on a scale of all foods, Subway for me. Is is very low on the scale of all foods, um, but we said we said sandwiches. Hey. When you're talking about a twenty to eighty scale, a lot of the scale is dependent on can this guy be a major league average player? Subway day in day out, year in year out, gets the job done. Jersey Mike, same thing. But when it comes to the gramophone, they just go above and beyond. They knock your socks off. It's just a different level. So that's kind of one is like 10 year big leaguer, uh, pension, all star. 
gold so, gloves, silver slugger. Yeah, it's it's Paul Goldschmidt. Wow, I <laughs> love the, the player comp. Yeah, <laughs> just does everything right. Shout out to my buddy Eric Peterson, who uh, when he grades sandwiches, he he pulls out a pack of baseball cards and he goes through the cards and then he assigns a player to whatever he's eating. That's cool. Uh, does yeah. he just walk around with unopened cards? No, nah, he doesn't do it all the time. But him and his brother do it. I, I remember. Okay, so he was the one who put me on a Capriotti's. I know. And so I get this video of him eating the sandwich. It might have actually been his twin brother. I they're identical, so I, I can't remember which one it was. Um, he so he's eating the the hot bobby, and I'm like, I don't really know about Capriotti's like that. And he graded it uh, on. He pulled out a pack of cards. He ripped them open. He gave it Javi Baez. He's like, this is a really flashy sandwich, and I'm like. I can get down with a flashy sandwich. Give me a hobby bias. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. I don't want him to opt in for four years. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm a fan of the Detroit Tigers, but um, that's besides the point. Brendan, do me a favor. And uh, I'm on, I'm on this. I've been on this for the past couple of days. Everyone's been hearing this question. What can you tell me about your kindergarten teacher? Hmm. Um, so, I'm sorry if uh, if you're listening to this, but I don't. I'm sorry I don't remember. Um, I'm sure you're amazing. Um, I'm sure uh, I stayed in the school, so I guess my parents were very proud of the way that I was developing and napping and uh, and pr- not, never good at coloring. So my family was stationed in Fort Campbell at the time. We're living in Clarksville, Tennessee. Uh, I think why I don't really remember is because some of my earliest memories of school were when I moved to Alabama. So that Tennessee area kind of kind of blurred out for me. Um, man, I don't even remember the name of the school. Uh, Glen Ellen Elementary. I'm sorry, I do remember in Clarksville, Tennessee. Um, but I'm sorry, I don't remember. But um, do you remember like approximate age, maybe? I should probably know that. Um, when do you start school? When you're five? <laughs> yeah, you're five. I should five so you're five or six in kindergarten right or is there mm-hmm. like a pre-k I, there's it just seems to change every year and i don't i gotta i gotta figure these things out so if anyone wants to give want to give me some wisdom i'm i'm all ears hey no i so i read about this study in an adam grant book this week and, and this is what i'm what i'm on and it was over eleven thousand kids and it was in the state of tennessee and basically what they showed was that the more experienced your kindergarten teacher was the um, higher likelihood of success in your adult life as measured by income. And basically for like that, if you replaced like a below average experienced kindergarten teacher with an average experienced kindergarten teacher, it like moved the needle like a ridiculous amount towards uh, future earnings for these kids. So it was like a large study. If your kindergarten teacher was experienced, you were going to go on to, you were much more likely to go on and have success. So um, what I hypothesized was that Brendan Donovan had a very experienced kindergarten teacher because the reason why is that the kindergarten teacher instills certain character traits like discipline, determination, uh, pro-social, which is, um, you know, basically, you know, how well you get along with your peers. And I think there was one other one I can't remember off the top of my head, but the point being is, is that an experienced kindergarten teacher instills those character traits and those character traits stick with you much longer than early success on standardized tests. 
Um, so thought, all of that to say, I was I read the study after you had asked the question and, uh, I thought what was really interesting about it too, is they saw this sort of runway of success up until like the seventh, eighth grade. And then like the general population sort of caught up, but the, the interesting part, and as you mentioned, it all of a sudden shows back up once they're in adulthood and have jobs that all of a sudden, like that's where the success sort of, sort of pops up again. But there was like this low period. Um, yeah, I yeah there was, was there was one another one that was like, uh, it, and it was within that, that it showed that if you had average experienced kindergarten teacher, as opposed to a not experienced kindergarten teacher in the lower income areas, like there was a much reduced rate of teenage pregnancy um, as well. So like it had all of these different impacts on these kids later on in life. But um, all that to say, I don't know if there's a way for you to look up uh, who your kindergarten teacher was. That'd be really interesting. Um, Sounds like she was amazing. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think it's extremely important from from a young age, teachers, coaches, mentors, parents, friends, family members, they all play a very important role. And your brain is just a sponge, you know, they can feed you with positivity and teach you good, strong life lessons, then probably got a chance for success. Yeah, that's you. (laughs) Well said. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't a search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. That's why I use Indeed for our hiring at Baseball America. It allows me to do everything on one website. I get quality candidates. I can schedule them. I can interview them. I can screen them. I can send messages to them all within Indeed. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Baseball America. Just go to Indeed.com slash Baseball America right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Baseball America. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Uh, Brendan is success. Tell us about your offseason. Uh, living in Florida <clears throat> and saving the turtles. Yeah. Um, so Florida is amazing. South Florida is amazing. The, the area that we're in, um, Palm Beach Gardens and Jupiter, are actually in the process of uh, closing on a house and moving into Jupiter. We're in Palm Beach Gardens now. Um, it is 
beautiful. I mean, I don't know if you can see behind me, but you got palm trees. It's a poster. Uh, I was, I was going to do it on the back patio, but it was too loud. Um, it's just, it's hard not to be passionate about this area. Um, so, hmm. you know, when we got down here, it was kind of Jupiter itself and Juno Beach is, is a hidden gem for a location. Matt, you've been, Jeff, have you been? Yeah, I'm down there for spring training every year. It's my one of my favorite cities in the United States. And I've often described it as if you built a city out of Legos, it would kind of look like that. Like it's like yeah. it's perfectly put together. And from when you're from the Northeast and the roads don't make sense, it's very nice that the roads make sense there as well. Right. Yeah, I'm usually down there for two weeks uh, every spring training. So I was there all throughout minor league camp the last two years. Awesome. We'll have to get up, go get some food or something. Yeah, um, Copacabana. Yeah, bring me a sandwich. Um, <laughs> so we uh, we decided we want to get involved in the community. I think it's important, no matter where you're at, to just be involved in the community. And one thing that this area is very passionate about is the beaches and, and the marine life. So we, we got involved with the Loggerhead Marine Life Center. Uh, we donated to them, and we're part of this uh, group called the Gordon Gray Group of 100. Um, so, I mean, we're gonna, we're looking for volunteering opportunities. Um, we're gonna volunteer with Conservation Florida as well. I think it's important, no matter where you're at, uh, just to give something, give something, whether it's time, whether it, it's money or support, whatever you can do. And so I'm, I'm passionate about this area and it's an area that I want to stay in for a long time, raise some kids here. And I want my kids to see like, it's, should take pride in, in things. It's, there's no difference between your your work ethic and how you are at home i think uh who you are is who you are and so i think that's important to kind of instill in, in, in kids one day yeah in a world where you weren't um <clears throat> imprinting laces on baseball bat barrels uh you were probably a marine biologist <laughs> maybe i want to get um dive certified i think i think that's a post baseball career hopefully that's not for a long time but um you know, we paddleboard Friday, every Friday morning, you paddleboard. There's a group down here, awesome, awesome surf shop called Blue Line. We we go out with them every Friday morning. Uh, I go to the, I do some PT, and then we play catch, and then that's that's the workout for the day. And, man, it is a brutal workout. Um, just trying to stay on that board. Uh, the big boats are starting to come down, so the waves are I, – I took two tumbles last Friday. I was the only one that took a tumble. My wife is actually very elite. I won't tell you this, but she's very elite. Uh, at paddleboarding college uh, cheerleader so the balance aspect and the ability to just adapt and is is pretty impressive um and we'll do some snorkeling but i want to get dive certified i think that would be be amazing yeah she's also an elite jumper on the loading sports app yeah, so. yeah she, is she, she really uses, yeah <laughs> she uses the app too she she's uh she records she jumps she's uh she's one of the dummies too so the whole art we're a loading household awesome <laughs> I'll have to get my former cheerleader wife on that and see if she's more athletic than I am. Get out on the paddle. We'll go when you're down here. Oh, hey, no, I would. I used to surf. And actually, it's funny. We went on our honeymoon to Hawaii, and we went surfing. And uh, she was much better, like, initially <laughs> than I anticipated she would be, you know, which obviously, you know, big when, ways. When Brendan's future kid is a, a double-plus runner, it was all alley. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe – yeah, they gotta have no, some. Well, maybe maybe now genetics. <laughs> she can she can have my uh, savviness, and then the kid can have her athleticism. I think we'll be all right there. I don't know. Jeff summer. said I was a thirty grade runner, so hopefully she <laughs> <he> gets. <laughs> I'm about to pull out the book. I'm like, I don't even. 
I don't even think I I don't even think I ranked you as a prospect with DA, but <laughs> well, Brendan was never a prospect, so no, it's uh, good. I, I wear that on my actually I, I lied. I was a prospect in 21. Um 21 going into 22. I think I cracked it in 21 and then going into 22. So I can't deny that at all. Um, but it initially wasn't, but um you know, do what you can. Yeah, we're going to get into that here in a minute. But before we do anything else, I do want you to tell us about the uh, turtle that you adopted. I think that's a very important uh, part of this discussion. Yeah. <laughs> so when we, we did, uh, we've been a couple times to the Marine Life Center. If you're down here, if you go to the Loggerhead Marine Life Center. It's really, really cool. So what they do is they have a bunch of tanks and they, uh, they nurse these turtles that they find floating or washed up on shore or even hatchlings that couldn't get out to the ocean. Um, and they, they essentially nurse them back to life. So we went through, we, we talked to someone, got a behind the scenes tour. Um, we watched one turtle actually go through its like doctor's appointment. They cleaned the shell and they, they just got a transfusion and everything. So we, when we left, they gave us a certificate of uh, adoption for a loggerhead sea turtle named Sandy. Um, we didn't actually keep it. It's just like a way to track the progress. And then when, when they're released, just kind of track them, they put a, I don't know about all of them. I actually haven't looked, but she actually just got released. But I think some of them they put GPS trackers on just kind of track their progress and, and where they're going. So it was, it was really cool. Um, you know, you don't actually get to keep it, but you're technically the proud parents of a sea turtle. It's not like a Mike Tyson tiger roaming around the living room situation. No, no, no. <laughs> no, that'd be terrifying. <laughs> um, all right. Well, around the house to feed the, the turtle. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, exposure funnel is, is why we're here. Brendan, you've read the project. We've done a couple of podcasts at this point, a couple of different stakeholders from the funnel, uh, involved in that. And, um, you know, I, you had some thoughts after I sent it to you. I think your exact words were something along the line of like every person, parent, coach, whatever that has any say in a kid's future needs to read this. Um, <clears throat> I kind of want to just, you know, going off of what you read, your general thoughts on the current state of amateur baseball. Um, let's start there. Yeah. I mean, first off, it needs help. Um, but it's good that you can raise awareness. I mean, you don't really know things until there's awareness around it. So, I mean, the part that sticks out is like kind of the 12 u age. That age is extremely important just for like the development of, you know, kids' brains and athleticism and, and sports-specific things. So that's that's the area that I think is uh, one that can be tapped into. And two, it's like you can teach kids how to be a winning person, how to be a winning player, how to be a great teammate, how to be selfless, how to have a good work ethic. Like, you can do these things, but I think if it was up to me, man, as like a, a 12U coach, I wouldn't turn any kid away. You know, I know there's certain things like certain teams, like I would find a way for every kid to play the game naturally, whether you're in life or in sports, it naturally weeds people out. Like it's just, it's just what happens. So if I was a 12 year coach, it's not my job to weed a kid. I can't push anybody away. Everyone deserves an equal opportunity to play. And then over the course of a couple of years, I mean, you can see the writing on the wall, you know, some kids are, are meant to continue to play and some kids are meant to be, neurosurgeons it's just part of it but i think in sports you gain certain character traits 
and the ability to work with a team and, and work ethic and, and time management and accountability that I think every kid needs. So that when I read it, it was pretty eye opening just how many people are, are, are turned away from sports and, and it's amateur baseball. And I think it's important for you to continue to raise awareness for me to continue to raise awareness. Then we can make a difference in it. Yeah. Premature weeding. Yeah. Uh, if you're going to, if you're going to tag exposure funnel to us, uh, we're going to tag the phrase premature weeding to Brendan. Uh, he brings up a really good point. Like it, it really isn't until, you know, later on you get to high school, um, college professional baseball, you know, for some guys who have that opportunity that like, you really should, you know, be under the magnifying glass and, and being evaluated to either get cut. But like, to your point, like, you know, there's, they're taking the biggest kids at 12U, 11U, whatever, and it's not indicative of future success. And I, I think it's really interesting. And I think it's um, a model that you explained and how you'd go about a 12U, coaching a 12U team. <clears throat> you wouldn't cut anybody. You wouldn't turn anybody away. I think that's a model that exists in a lot of other countries mm -hmm. where, you know, all these kids are going to grow at different rates. And when they all grow up, like the kid that you might have cut, like, he might end up being six, three or six, four and, um, you know, late bloomer and, and really have a knack for the barrel, something to, to that effect. But you cut him at 11 or 12 years old, he stops playing baseball and you never know, <laughs> you know, yeah. um, kids develop at so many, like just different rates. You know, you never know. Like you said, you never know. This kid could be a smaller, shorter, weaker kid. And then two years later, he's six, three, like you never know. Yeah. So I do want to talk a little bit about, uh, like paralleling, you know, obviously you came through it. Um, your experience in amateur baseball from when you were younger, um, you know, start, you know, T-ball, uh, little league, whatever it might be, travel baseball, ultimately getting recruited. Just kind of talk about like what your path was. Um, and I would bet that it's probably a little bit different than what kids are currently trying to navigate yeah so i didn't i didn't i started playing t-ball because one of my friends my dad was um we were in tennessee my dad was stationed overseas he was in iraq and my mom was like hey your friend blake is playing t-ball do you want to play and i only played because i wanted to hang out with him more um but my first love was hockey um that's why i hit left-handed um the right hand controls the stick and then on a slap shot and then it just translates to just hands coming down on the bat so it's why a lot of I think I read something somewhere. It says why a lot of uh, Northeastern and Canadian born players hit throw right-handed and hit left-handed is because of hockey. So that's initially why I hit left-handed and threw right-handed because my right hand was my dominant hand. So started playing. Um, I joke with my parents. I said, my mom taught me how to hit because, um, because dad was overseas. Um, so then we moved to um, enterprise Alabama. My dad was stationed Fort Rucker. I believe some of the um, the bases are changing names, but we've been out of the kind of the circle for a while. So I'm not really sure what the names are anymore. But um, and, you, you know, it was hard to, to get into sports was my way in. Right. It was my my ability to, to make friends and and to interact with people. You know, school is great, but I think sports is where you really make true friendships and bonds with people and also great for parents, too. That's where my parents, too. Um, make friendships with uh, my teammates' parents. Um, but it was hard to kind of get settled in. But luckily, I'm, 
unlike in today's game is like I was welcomed in, you know, I was welcome. Hey, come play, um, come play. We had rec ball. Everyone played rec ball. Um, I think it was great. I mean, your team may stink, but you're learning a lot of things. You're learning kind of accountability. Like you have to go to practice, you have to do all these things. And then they have all stars. Uh, I'm not against that at all. I think it's important for teaching, teaching winning mentalities. And then as you start to get older, I started to find this group of people that I was getting close with and we started to do like kind of the youth travel ball. And we started to have kind of the same group. Um, but one thing I loved about the coaches is they were welcoming of all kids. If somebody wanted to come play with us, they were allowed to come play with us. Um, you know, if you could make us better, then let's do it. And then I started to get into um, middle school. You trust that's when kind of the weeding process starts happening. Um, you start to transition into middle school baseball and then you start tra transitioning into high school baseball. Um, so I made my junior varsity team when I was in ninth grade, played with them for about two weeks. And then I got called up to varsity to play shortstop. Um, and that's when I realized it's like, I think, I think I have a chance to be, to, to play in college. Um, obviously if I continue to do the right things, but I had a knack for um, just finding a way to get hits. Um, I hit the ball the other way. If I couldn't pull the ball at all. Every time I tried to pull the ball, I hit a ground ball to the second baseman. So I was like, at a young age, I was like, I want to get hits. So the only way to get a hit was to back it up and shoot it over the shortstop's head, um, which is actually turns out to be one of the best things that could have happened in my baseball career. Yeah, but, you still um, do that really well. <laughs> still, I mean, you have to have that. There's a lot of hits over there. Um, I know, but then guys start throwing the cutters and everything in. But we'll we'll get we'll get into that later. Um, we had Legion ball. That was kind of my next transition into going off and playing was we had a team out of Troy, Alabama. I'd go play Legion ball. And then that was when I was like, all right, you know, let's see how I do here. And I, and I, you know, every different level had an adjustment period. Um, it's like, all right, how can I adjust to the league? How can I uh, make those adjustments on the fly? How can I see the whole field and find a way to continue to produce? Um, and I love Legion ball. It was great. The travel wasn't crazy. I mean, you go all over all over Alabama. And I think they had like the big Legion ball, um, world series. We never made it. We always lost in the finals, but, and then my junior year after my junior year. Yeah. After my junior year summer, that was when Lake point was starting to become popular. I played at Lake point when there's four fields. So I was like, kind of like the first wave of people starting to play there. And we would play at East Cobb. We play at like local high schools. I think it was like Stone Mountain High School. And you go all over. I mean, if you had an 8 a.m. game, you could be driving an hour and a half to a local Georgia field to play your game. And that's when travel ball like exploded. I remember rolling up. You were promised one game at Lake Point. And they're like, yeah, they're going to turn this into perfect games and blow this thing up. And I remember I came back the next year and there's like, 16 fields and then i can't imagine how many there are now i know um i don't think perfect games using lake point anymore but i know there's got to be a ton of fields so it was like a natural progression and when i wasn't playing baseball i played football when i was up until like middle school i played soccer and 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 basketball like i played everything now i didn't play fall baseball i played football so i think i learned a lot of things a little bit of toughness in football. I learned a little bit of ability to use my feet in soccer. And then uh, I wasn't very good at basketball, but it taught me kind of how to see, like see the floor and, and things like that. So 
I mean, if, if any kids listening, I'd be like, play all the sports. You, you gain something unique from each and every one of them. So that's kind of my process committed to South Alabama after my, um, I think it was in my senior year after my junior summer, which is kind of like right on pace for how it was in 2014. But I think it's a little different now. Yeah. I, you know, we talked about this offline the other day and I, I think it's a great story if you're willing to share it, but <laughs> I want you to share uh, how you caught the attention. And you talked about football and, and how you learned some toughness there. Obviously you're from a military background. Um, <laughs> I want you to talk about how you caught the attention of the coaches at South Alabama. <laughs> oh yeah. I didn't, I didn't know this at the time. My head coach at, uh, at South Alabama's name's Mark Calvi and he is awesome. My time there, I learned so much about me, how to be a grown up, how to play baseball. So I wouldn't change that for the world. So I'm in high school. I'm going down to um, Gulf Coast State College. I believe that's what it's still called in Panama City, Florida. They have this thing called the Florida Top 100. They take kids from like all over. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. The panhandle. I think some kids from South Florida may come up too. And you do... It's like a um, like a showcase, and then you play some games, and then so I'm like, I gotta do, I have to do everything I can to get notice. I didn't catch much, but I remember I threw from behind the plate, and I was just like, it was not good. But I'm like, hey, if you need me to do it, I'll do it. And then I threw from the outfield, and then I was taking ground balls at third base. I was like, well, there's not a lot of kids at third base. I'll go to third base. And the throw that hardly ever happens in baseball is when the first baseman gets a ground ball and throws it to the third baseman. It just like hardly ever happens. But for some reason, we do it in a showcase because we want to see the arm strength of the first baseman. And so 
I'm over there at third base. They hit a ground ball to the first baseman. All the scouts and coaches are in the third base dugout. And these kids are just like trying to show it off. I get it. I'll probably spike some to first base too. So this kid lets it fly. And the natural instinct is to kind of like drop and block it. And it skips off the lip and it hits me in the neck. And it rolls over like towards the dugout. And I'm, I'm hurting. Like I'm holding back tears. I can't breathe. And I just like naturally, like I'm like, don't show anyone. Don't show anyone. I hear my dad on my back. I head, don't you show anyone. So I walk over, I grab the ball and I toss it in. And, and someone's like, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, I'm all right. I can't, I can't speak. I can't breathe. And I'm just like, don't show anyone. And I go back over to my position. And that's what caught the attention. I mean, obviously he saw me. He's like this kid, like, you know, he, he's kind of all over the place. Like he's a little bit of a spaz, but he's throwing from different positions. Like he's hustling and he tells, he sees me. I have, I do. Okay. Um, I make the plays. I hit a couple balls on the barrel, but he tells our uh, recruiting coordinator at the time, his name's Jerry Zuli. He was like, I need to know if this kid can play. He's like, this kid, like there's something about this kid. And I didn't know this until like my sophomore year at South is when he told the story. He's like, I need to know if this kid can hit. And so they followed me, they followed me for weeks. And I'm like, when are they going to offer? When are they going to offer? And eventually they offered. And then it was kind of a no brainer. Whenever I got down there, I saw the campus and I met the coaches. And, but I was like, that's like three, three different positions running well, a couple a good BP. Like that's the thing that drew their attention. So I guess uh, the upbringing helps. Sometimes you got to wear one in the throat to get someone's attention. Yeah, I you guess so. <laughs> so cool. that was, that's my cool story. That's my recruiting story. I didn't go out and hit 500 on a perfect game tournament. I took a ball off the jugular. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. Um, I, I do want to talk a little bit about something that uh, we haven't discussed, Jeff. We haven't talked about the pro side of the exposure funnel. Uh, you know, everyone likes to say like, oh, just give me a chance, get me in a pro ball and I'll show them what I can do. But there are so many, I mean, in some cases, horror stories, uh, in some cases, you know, whatever it is of guys who get into pro ball. And even though they're there, they don't really get a chance. Um, I think we all know you know, a guy or two, or in Brendan's case, you probably know many because you played with a lot of them. Um, but there is a hierarchy for playing time. There's only nine innings in a game and um, there's only, you know, one guy at each position. So uh, something I want to talk about are, you know, some of the elements in the exposure funnel in that project that we've discussed, um, you know, bias being, you know, that primary element that I kind of want to discuss. Um how is that how does that come into play in professional baseball and you don't have to speak specifically for your story um but you know jeff's a prospect writer he writes about professional baseball players and affiliated baseball and you recently navigated your way all the way to the big leagues uh to being a big league regular without i mean for a very brief moment you were named to a prospect list (laughs) so uh yeah talk about that um i mean i think it's like this anywhere sports and life i mean especially when you start to talk about professional baseball you're talking about a business right you're talking about investments and when you look at it from business business perspective like money when money's involved like that's an investment so i mean obviously there's there's going to be bias and uh you know some some more hype and things like that like these highly touted kids 
that get a lot of money, obviously there's going to be like this kid needs his at-bats, this kid needs his innings, this kid needs to play this position. Um, but I've always believed that if you go about your business the right way and you're a good teammate and you just put up your numbers, um, you see the order I put that in, it's not about putting up your numbers and then being a good teammate. It's being a good teammate and then putting up your numbers because I think that's it's important. And I, at the end of the day, production production always wins. Um, whether you're the kid, the free agent sign out of a small school or you're the first rounder out of a, a big school or a high school, it, it's production, 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 production matters and who you are as a person matters. So that's, I mean, you, you see it, you see it all the time. Um, I mean, I can give, I can give examples. Um, I, I actually told this, um, this story in a, in a hitters meeting. I was a seventh rounder out of South Alabama, um, as a junior. So I had some financial flexibility because they bought out my senior year of college. Um, I come, I come in immediately and I get hurt. Um, I tear my TFCC in my right wrist. So now you're talking about playing four games and going straight into rehab, coming down actually here, rehabbing at our spring training complex. So I'm like, wow, I need to find out. I need to find a way not to go to extended. I do not want to go to extended. I need to get out. I need to play. Um, and so, hey, we're going to move you. I was drafted as third base, and we're going to move you to second base. Um, Nolan Gorman, one of my great friends, came in um, first rounder and absolutely just scorched minor league baseball. Um, still scorches even the big leagues. Like he's just an elite talent. And I was like, I need to find a way to get on the field. Go, like, hey, we want to move you to second base. I'm like, fine, whatever. I need to play. I need to get innings. I need to. I go to extended. I'm kind of just pushed to the side. I was like, I'll play whatever. So I play second base, and I'm learning how to play a position. And I was like, I struggled, you know. And it's like I talked about with each level. There's an adjustment period. So continue to struggle. All right, what works for me? How can I? How can I see the whole field? How can I make adjustments? Um, and then, all right, you know, I ended up having a decent year. I played that year in low A um, and got the nod to go as like a, a backup to one game in AAA that year and got like one at bat in AAA because they just needed guys with September call-ups. And I was like, wow, that's really cool. Um, come in, um, end of 2019, we have a, a hitting camp. We're bringing Jeff Albert, we're bringing Russ Steinhorn, we're bringing these guys, and I'm going to revamp the hitting. Um, first off, amazing guys. Um, still believe in those philosophies, still do what they, what they teach. Um, made a complete swing haul just in time, show up for spring training, end up going to the World Baseball Classic in 2020, qualifier with Team Germany. Everything gets shut down, COVID. So I go home, and I'm sitting at home, and I'm like, what do I do? Like, I don't – I kind of had an idea. I was like, we're not going to have a season. Like, we don't even have a big league season. And then I find out it's 60 games. I was like, there's no way there's going to be a minor league season. Honestly, the best thing that happened for me because I was like, I was like, I need to get better at second base. I need to make these swing hall adjustment halls, and I need to find a way to just continue to adjust and, and grow. And then that was about the time that we acquired a, another guy named Nolan. So now I got two Nolans. One is one of the best third basemen this game has ever seen, and then the other Nolan moved from third to second. So I'm like, what? Where do I go? You know. Like this is this is like that that hierarchy, right? Or or that bias, like it's the business side of things, right? Nolan Gorman 
just absolutely scorched baseball, and he's a first-rounder. Nolan Arenado is one of the best third basemen this game has ever seen. I was like, where do I fit? I was like, well, so I went everywhere. I was like, hey, I'll play I'll play in the outfield. I'll play first base. I'll play third base. And at one point in double A, they're like, hey, we need you to play shortstop. I was like, all right, this is terrifying, but I'll do it. Um, so that's why I say production matters. If you – I could have been bitter. And there's times that I was a little bitter, and I was like, like, what about me? It's not about me. It's about the organization. If I really want to play in the big leagues, I need to find a way. So that that's kind of my story. There's always a silver lining in it. Well, production production wins. Yeah, I just remember the production was uh, ridiculous coming out of that 2020 COVID situation, right? Like, didn't you get you on high A, double A, triple A, uh, and then you were on the taxi squad for the playoff game in LA, and then they sent you to the fall league. Mm-hmm. Everywhere yeah. you went, you hit. You hit a lot, yeah. right? It's not like oh, you hit, you hit two six. No, it, you, like you hit a lot at every level. Fall league that year, you hit. 308 with an OPS over 900. And you were like the last vote into the Fall Stars game. Mm-hmm. It's funny. It's funny you say that. Um, we didn't, it was, uh, I think it was Jackson Clough, Corey Lee, who was my roommate at the time, and me. And I was like, I didn't think I was going to get voted in. So I was like, I was like, hey, Corey, uh, what do you want to do tomorrow? I was like, I don't think we're going to get voted in. He's like, He's like, we say we just sleep in and hang out. I was like, that's fine with me. And then we found out we both been voted in. So we're like, all right, well, we got to lock it in for one more game. But that was a cool experience. Um, but at each level, there's that adjustment period, right? When I got to AAA, I was like, wow, and I struggled. And then when I got to the Folly, I kind of like got off to a little bit of a slower start. And then, but it's, it's supposed to be like that. Like each level gets sharper. And that's why in the big leagues, it's like, how fast can you make the adjustments? Because it's a gauntlet. And then from year to year, it's adjustments, right? I mean, they looked at what I did last year. This guy likes to see pitches. Let's attack it. Now I got to learn how to go after first pitches, get my best swing off early in counts. And it's if you if you can make those adjustments, the best players make adjustments the quickest. Yeah, and um, you know, correct me if I'm wrong here, you played all four infield positions uh, in your first week in the big leagues. Correct? Yeah, what a terrifying week um terrifying. like talk about you're already like nerve-wracking so first start was first base my second start was third base my third start was second base and my fourth start was shortstop four starts four different positions and i was like this is either gonna go really well or this is gonna go really bad but like i can't control that i'm already not sleeping i'm terrified i'm extremely nervous but i mean i think nerves come with things that matter so Gave my confidence through preparation, so I was like, I'm just going to be the most prepared guy out there. Even though I'm uh, <laughs> Stubby, our, uh, our infield coach, Stubby Clap, he was like, hey, we got to learn how to play shortstop today. <laughs> I was like, all right, that's fine with me. So we did early work, then we did our defensive routine, and then we did a couple more ground balls during BP. He was like, dude, you're either going to be way too exhausted to play tonight, or you're going to be the most prepared guy on the field. And I was like, I think it's a little bit of both, but let's let's see what we got. <clears throat> Yeah, uh, Jeff is a big hip-hop head, and uh, you definitely just dropped the bar. I don't know if it's a Brendan Donovan original. If it is, then you know, you know, two two claps and a Ric Flair, whatever they say these days. Uh, nerves come with things that matter. Is that a, a rap verse? No, is, no that, is that a new original? Oh, that, I was, that was fire. 
shooting from the hip over here. Yeah, I'll have to go back and listen to the podcast. It could to people listening, it may sound like just complete gibberish, but in my head right now, it makes sense. No, I mean that that's not gibberish at all. I don't know if that was unconscious or what it was, but damn, that might be the the hardest bar in the history of uh, the 90th percentile podcast. Jeff, he really just said nerves come with things that matter. I mean, you could insert that into a. I'm blown away. That could be it. the opening line to an article, frankly. It's <laughs> a good one. Well, I'm you know, on Brendan. It's nice only shot, downhill but... from here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you played six positions uh, that year. I think you played six positions again this past year uh, in that first full year in the big leagues when you were a rookie. You were also the first ever recipient of the NL Gold Glove Award for utility player, um, which is special in its own right and a testament to it sounds like. I mean, you just told us where you started, right? Like, <laughs> hey, uh, Nolan Gorman's playing third base, so I got to go learn second base, and it didn't go particularly well. And that was all in professional baseball. Yeah. And then you rose all the way up and got yourself some hardware. Um, so kudos to you on that and uh, always finding a way. Um, I want to go a little bit more into the exposure funnel and talk a little bit about um, the, a solution Okay, uh, an objective solution that could potentially cut through some of the subjective rankings that are out there for amateur players. Um, the slammer score is yeah. uh, specifically what I'm going to call out, which factors in uh, athleticism, game performance, and then you know batted ball and pitching ball data. Um, so I just kind of want to get your thoughts a little bit, what you think of an objective system as opposed to almost a strictly subjective system for rating talent uh, and what that would accomplish. Yeah, I think it, uh, I think it takes all the, takes hype. It takes bias. It takes all of that. And it kind of gives you like a level level playing field. Let's completely judge these kids based off of these three things. And, and then I think that's the best way. I mean, you need, you need all those things, right? You need athleticism. We're talking about like the development of kids too. Like they develop at all different rates, right? If you, if you can have two out of three of those things to start, I think you're in a good spot. I mean, this kid, right, he's athletic and he makes good swing decisions, but he doesn't have good stats, right? Well, let's look a little deeper into that. Maybe he's just hit the ball on the ground or maybe he's just like late, um, but he's going on the right pitches. Or let's say this kid um, has really good game stats and he's athletic, but, you know, the swing decisions say that over a course of time, like he's not going to be able to, you know, control the zone at a higher level. I mean, all these things go into it. And, and I'm a firm believer in stats. Don't tell the whole story. There's so many things that go into it. But I think uh, that athleticism piece is so important, um, especially you want to talk about like weeding kids out. Like there's some kids out there, like these hidden gems, they possess the athletic ability to continue to grow and develop. And then as they get bigger and stronger, like, you're talking about like a real prospect. Yeah. Um, and I think South Alabama, believe it or not, actually has a couple of those. Uh, they had one last year, Colson Lawrence, who I think signed with Miami. And then there's another kid who's draft eligible who's back at school. Um, yeah, everyone's talking about Will Turner. Mm-hmm. Which Will Turner, really good player, but there's another outfielder there. Uh, can't remember his first name, the last name, Sullivan. Joseph Sullivan, yeah. Great Joseph dude. Sullivan. Sullivan. Yeah. Uh, big time athletes just kind of hanging out at South Alabama. 
Um, nothing new there. Big time athletes hanging out at South Alabama. Shout out to your wife. You're talking about Travis Flaherty? <laughs> <laughs> big time. Yeah, I wasn't yeah. a big time athlete, but uh, no, there's, there's, they do a great job developing, developing players there. Um, and they just like they invest in people. Yeah. Last little bit here uh, in regards to factoring and athleticism uh, when looking at an amateur player. Uh, I think we've talked a lot uh, over the past couple of years about what athleticism means on a baseball <laughs> field and what it means for your, your potential. Um, so just kind of, you know, hit on that a little bit, just kind of like why measuring athleticism is important, why factoring it into uh, how you view an amateur player, especially if you're a, like a college recruiting coordinator, or you're, you know, obviously professional scouts factor that stuff in, um, you know, just talk a little bit about athleticism as an ingredient in all of that. Yeah. I think um, overall athleticism shows you just someone's true potential, but it also like, can I tell a story? Yes. Sorry, I'm on a story kick right now. So we're talking about the 2020 COVID shutdown. That was where Matt and I actually met um, at a facility in Alabama. And he introduced me to this technology and we're like, hey, we're going to test your jumping. I'm like, I've never really tested that. Like I've jumped on a force plate before, but didn't really get the data. And throughout testing athleticism, we're like, dude, you're losing out on like a lot of stability, a lot of power. He's like, you produce power, but you're missing out on a lot of it. Like your potential is much higher than what you're actually doing. So I think that's a big reason why in, in 2021 I had that that big jump is because we cleaned up a lot of things and I started to hit the ball harder and move better. And I was able to play every day because my body was healthy. That's one thing people don't talk about when you talk about like testing athleticism is especially what we do with the with the load nap is like, if I'm jumping on one leg and one leg is significantly better or worse than the other, you're talking about like possibly getting injured, right? One leg is kind of dominating over the other one. You're talking about soft tissue injuries, possibly ligamentous injuries, knees, everything, ankles. So tells you, shows you true potential, allows you to clean up those things, tap into more overall athleticism and to prevent or three prevent injury. Yeah, you talked about it way early on in this pod about uh, just trying to gain a step at 26 yeah. years old and how that's not <laughs> particularly uh, an easy thing to do. But that's the right mentality, I think, in your offseason. It's not necessarily that you're going to find that next step, but if you're working as if you're trying to find that next step, then you're at the very least going to conserve what you've got. And I think at the at the end of the day, especially for professional athletes, full-grown adults, like your athleticism is your longevity in the game. You know, it's like not – every guy is going to be Yadier Molina where he provides so much value behind the plate to a pitching staff that, you know, that kind of extends his career. You know what I mean? Like Yadi can get by by having uh 1% foot speed, you know, at the end of his career because he does so much behind the plate, but like Brendan Donovan, sorry, Brendan, like you're not Yadier Molina. So um, I think for, you know, your goals in, in trying to play as long as you can, you fully understand, you fully grasp and you live by, you know, whether it's in season and the routines that you have in season for taking care of your body or out of season, preparing yourself for the 162 game schedule, like you live by trying to tap into and maximize every bit of athleticism that you have. And it, it shows up on the field. Yeah. The thing I was going to ask too, um, cause I think it's interesting. Um, you talked about the 2020 shutdown and then sort of how that laid the groundwork talked about you know what you did in that offseason going into 2021 um 
a lot of jumping mm-hmm. on one leg. Yeah, 2022. But I also know last year, um, and it was something I wrote about, and you know, I, know, I think Matt and I had discussed maybe offline at the time before we were recording together. Um, but you had done some things last offseason too to try to tap into more power. And it was something that showed up in spring training. I mean, I was there when you hit a couple of uh, tanks. So um, interested, like, did 2020 China and, and the success you had following, did it sort of shift your mentality in terms of like being really focused every off season on improving in particular areas or identifying something and then sort of improving it? I don't know if my question is necessarily put together the right way, but yeah, it no. feels as if there's been a pattern here <laughs> and an adjustment. Yeah, I think that jump started it. Um, I think, uh, you know, this, uh, it almost honestly like made me ask more questions. Um, and I think that's like you, you learn by asking questions and by failing. Those are the really the only two ways to, to grow and develop. Um, and I think that's, uh, I think that's why Matt and I hit it off so well is cause like doesn't, he asks questions. I ask questions. There's times where like, it sucks cause we can't ever have like a five minute phone call. Um, it always ends up being an hour long, but I know what that's it, like. It's uh it's a blessing, a blessing and a curse, but you know, your body's everything, right? Your, your body, like that's, it's your tool. Like if the more you can get out of that and the longer you can make it work efficiently, the better off you'll be. So 2020, I was like, wow, I need to take care of my body. And now I'm still learning. I got this nice little, little scar. Now it's like, show me, I need to do things differently. Like I need to continue to grow. And so I moved down here. That's why we moved down here. I was like, not only is it amazing and Florida is amazing to live in, but I was like, there's one, this one guy I want to train with in Florida, um, Colby Tullier. And it's Goldie. Goldie's the one that kind of pushed me in that direction. Mm. Um, you know, I started to learn how to move my body a little bit more efficiently. And then I got to the big leagues and we're in Wrigley and I flew out to the warning track. We're playing like uh I think it was five games in four days because we had a doubleheader. I flew out of the warning track for like the third or fourth time in the series. And Goldie's always so positive. He's like, hey, man, good swing. And I was like, I looked at Goldie and I was like, how do I hit the ball harder? And I was like, so that's athleticism, right? That's power output. That's efficiency. That's uh, mm. mobility. It's everything, everything. And he's like, don't worry, I got you. So he's like, you're moving to Florida, right? And I was like, yeah, we bought a place. We're moving down there. So this is where we're at. And uh, it's 2023. I got hurt. But guess what? It's uh, I said silver lining. It's a silver lining because, all right, well, I wasn't moving efficiently in my throwing. So that shows me that I need to use the ground a little better. I need to work on the kinetic chain of transfer energy, use my rib cage a little more, get some more T-spine mobility. It's all it's like a rabbit hole that I've completely gone head first down. And I'm glad I did because I'm I'm asking more questions. I'm failing more, which means I'm growing more. And it's, uh, keeps my off seasons. Interesting long days though, but I, I like them. Yeah. The stable, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. K Wayne. He's, he's amazing. As, as seen on what's that Netflix show about the golfers. Um, full swing. Yeah. Full swing. Yeah. As seen on yeah. full swing. He oh, appears okay. in there. Yeah, yeah, they he appears in there. They tag him on there. He he works with what Justin Thomas, Dustin Johnson. Uh, yeah, no, what a, it's, uh, you walk in that gym, and the cool thing that they do is they, for every tournament that golfers win or, or anyone that trains there wins an award, they, they hang a banner for him 
So you walk in and you look around the gym, there's just banners everywhere. That's awesome. Yeah, it's kind of nice that uh, a guy like you from the South who enjoys warm weather doesn't need to travel up to the rainy Northwest part of the United States to uh, get what you need. Sounds like there's there's other places that you can go to to get what you need other than one spot. <laughs> yeah, too. I mean, and also on a Friday, my workout is is half paddleboarding, right? So, and two, like we talked about playing different sports. Is like I always thought that I was pretty athletic and had great balance, and then you put me on a paddleboard, and I'm the one that's getting dumped over the side. So it's like a, for another thing for kids, it's like do everything, play everything. I'm I'm 26 years old, and I'm I want to try this paddleboarding thing, and it turns out I'm not very good, but that's good because I want to get better at it. I want to learn how to do this so I can have better balance and have the ability to weight shift and and control my frame. This guy's got uh, big big leaguer problems, getting knocked off paddle boards by yachts. <laughs> yeah, they're not my yachts. Yeah, not <laughs> I, yet. I paddle uh, by them in, in fear slash uh, jealousy. <laughs> maybe someday you can uh, you can name it the the SS Sandy. In honor of your turtle. Exactly. <laughs> That's funny. All right. Last thing. This one's quick and then uh, we'll let you go. And I know Jeff's got to go pick up his kids from school. Um, little known part of baseball. It, it, this, all, this, this has fascinated me uh, since knowing you because I, I never really played baseball at a, a high level as an adult. So I didn't really you know, factor this in. But I think this, this rings true for a lot of people who watch the game, follow the game, whatever it is. They don't fully appreciate the toll that it takes on your body uh, to slide. All right. So I want to talk a little bit about sliding, stealing bags, how much that beats up your body and give us kind of an honest depiction of over the course of a season. And like even the difference between like day game, night game, uh, warm weather, cool weather, dry weather, uh, wet weather, you know, and kind of how that impacts, you know, what happens to your body after a slide. Yeah. So, um, I mean, being on your feet and like metal spikes when you're playing in the dirt or even if you're playing in the far spot you're in the first base side and you got to run to left field or vice versa third base you got to run to right field like it it people don't realize it takes a toll on your body and they're constantly rotating and standing on your feet that's why people like have obliques and backs and 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 hamstrings just like fatigue over the course of a season but for me it's my feet my feet kind of get banged up I mean, my elbow got banged up. I think that was just uh, not being efficient, um, but also so many different positions and so many different arm actions. And um, But that shows I need to manage that a little better. But sliding, um, yeah, sliding. I uh, Day game, a little chilly out, so it's a little frigid. Dirt's pretty hard. It was a little windy. Um, you know, they can as much water, you can put as much water on you, but eventually in a day game, it's just going to dry up and it turns into essentially concrete. So um, I stole two bases one game. We're playing the Pirates. I stole second and I stole third. And then I ended up sliding feet first another time. So that's three slides in one game. And I completely shredded the top of my knee, the right on my knee, and then my, like the outside of my shin. And it was the worst part is when you get in the shower after and it just stings and it stings and it hurts so bad. And then the next day I slid again, feet first and I ripped it open and I'm putting all kinds of things on it. I'm putting pads on it. I'm trying to wrap, I'm putting knee pads, I'm putting everything I can, but just kind of 
you're going full speed, like, and you're just like, just essentially just like crashing into the ground and you're doing it at high speed. You don't want to slow down because you want to be able to break up a double play um, legally, of course, or be able to get in there and avoid a tag. And I eventually, a couple days later, I'm out there, I'm taking ground balls and I, I'm having trouble walking. So I, I go into the trainer and I was like, I can't really walk. I'm like, all right, well, let's check it out. Turns out I have a, uh, a skin infection. My, my scabs on my shin and my knee got infected. And I think they told me I was like one or two days. If I wouldn't have said anything, then we would have had to like cut some skin away. So it's, it's brutal. I mean, you, uh, I don't know if that was a technique thing, but I mean, I went feet first and head first and I just kept ripping my knees and my shins open, but it takes a toll on you and you play so many games. It's the travel, the sleep. It's, uh, when your sleep gets messed up and that puts your body at a bigger chance for, for injury. But it's, it's a lot of games, a lot of games, a lot of days, um, long days, day games, cold day games are the worst. Hot, I mean, hot day games are pretty brutal too, but it's cold day games because your body just like, it just takes forever to get it going. Yeah. But in South Florida, you guys are the ones uh, that have to deal with the cold. So you can talk on that. Yeah. He, he, I got the dry cold. He's got the, the wet cold and um, you never get used to it though. Yeah. I mean, I I do think it's important to note that for anybody who's listening that uh, potentially deals with kids, has kids, or if you're a kid listening, um, to like learn the skill of sliding when you're young, when you're not throwing around 200 pounds, like, like Brendan is, if you're 110 pounds and you're sliding, that's a whole lot less force on the, on the dirt. And you can kind of perfect your technique at that point. Um, I think that's part of like the whole multi-sport conversation is that like sliding appears more in other games. And if you can perfect that, then maybe someday you can be like Trey Turner. And when you slide, you don't even touch the ground. Um, <laughs> you're going that fast. It's, probably easier but no it's weird i was like you know i used to go down like when i go feet first i would go like shin down and then like try to pop up slide and then after that i was like well i need to go like a little bit more on my side and now not only do i have a strawberry on my knee but i got one on my hip too and i was like all right we got to go feet first now i'm ripping the tops of my knees i'm like i don't i don't know what i'm doing here i was like yeah. someone hopefully i can just go in standing up you're gonna see you out there next year in uh football pads maybe anything no. to keep from getting another that was brutal honestly it was brutal need to patch baseball on the neck so uh <laughs> i think you can handle some raspberries and maybe an infection or you gotta get I, your i'll take the honestly i'll take the neck ball over the any day over the raspberries the neck ball pain goes away shortly yeah after. you don't when you don't feel that in the shower you're picking you're picking those scabs from like road rash in the bases for Ugh. weeks I I was a total punch and Judy in high school. So like I bunted, I hit the ball the other way. I ran a ton and my high school coach loved to run. Like we, I don't think we still have it, but the the year before I went to, to my high school, I was in middle school. They set the national stolen base record. So like, wow, I ran a lot and I was going to ask, have you, did you ever have to slide when, cause you played down uh, on the Cape with Hyannis. Mm-hmm. You ever have to slide at uh, Old Spillane Field in Wareham with the uh, oh the gray, the gray oh yeah oh yeah. Uh, well, unfortunately, I wasn't on base much in the Cape, so uh, <laughs> I didn't have, have many many slides. But that's the thing; like, you get these raspberries and these strawberries, and 
you almost don't want them to go away because if they go away, that means one, you're not playing or two, you're not getting on base. So it's like, yeah. I guess I'm fine with having these because that means I'm at least I'm getting some knocks and scoring some runs. It's a little oh, bit like a bodybuilder in their calluses. Yeah, exactly. That's all it is. Now I just now I just have like uh, I have feet where I have like nerve damage because of it. It's mm. Perfectly fine. Lovely. Ow. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, all right, Brennan, uh, get you back to uh, saving the sea turtles. Yeah, exactly. Get back to enjoying beautiful Jupiter, Florida. Go to Copacabana and get some some tremendous Cuban food. I go there every yeah. single time. I'm over at Dean. I uh, walk from the backfields over to Copacabana and, you know, I get something. Let me see. Um, it's 83 degrees right now. So. Lucky you. There you go. Well, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for tuning in. That was Brendan Donovan of the St. Louis Cardinals. I want to thank you for tuning in. For Jeff, for Matt, this is the 90th Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.